Your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone and welcome to episode 323 of Locked On Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your next order. We've got a fun recap of a fun game for you guys and then we're going to talk a little bit about the Habs going out west and the taxi squad news that comes along with that. And finally, we're going to preview the Vancouver series coming up, which starts at Nightmare Hours, but we will have you covered all week long. Don't worry, because we are locked on Canadians. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matla. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm I'm doing quite well. Uh, I was blown away by the Canadians' efforts on Saturday night against the Winnipeg Jets. It's like they took several overtimes worth of frustration and just absolutely bodied the Jets at even strength. Seven even strength goals is absolutely insane. Chase Connor Hellebuck and made Lauren Brassois look terrible uh, and gave Nathan Beaulieu probably one of the worst nights in his career, for being fully honest. I got to ask, why do they keep playing Nathan Beaulieu at all? Uh, Harrison from Locked On Jets and uh, Kara from uh, Arctic Ice Hockey, we've had on the show before, both agree with me. Paul Maurice isn't very good at his job, uh, and that is to the Canadians' benefit right now. Looking at the Jets, they have this team that is a lot of high-end talent. You know, they're Mark Shifley's, they're Blake Wheeler's, they're Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nikolai Ehlers, uh, Josh Morsey. Even Neil Pionk has been very good. And then, like you'll hear later in the week uh, with our special guest, they took two giant cinder blocks and just attached them to the bumper of this Ferrari, and Paul Maurice doesn't see anything wrong with it right now, which is kind of an issue. It's good for the Canadians. Uh, bad if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan. I have to say as well, you know, a lot of a lot of people were talking about how the Jets had really nothing in the tank. They couldn't, they couldn't, uh, you know, get, get their game together. And all of that is true. But at the same time, the Canadians scored seven goals. And honestly, even if the Winnipeg Jets played badly, I think that game said a lot about the little adjustments that Dominique Ducharme has made that are paying off. Obviously, we're, you know, we've got a few more games to go before we can say for sure definitively. But little things are working out and the people, you know, the little adjustments that he's making are, I'm just, I'm just thinking of the Canadians from a couple of weeks ago that even if the Winnipeg Jets came out this flat, uh, with no answers, I feel like that Canadians team would not have been able to score as many goals. And at the end, we would have ended up with some weird penalty, uh, some weird goal. It would have gone into overtime. The Canadians would have lost. I think that the Canadians of Saturday night are completely different from the Canadians of uh, three weeks ago. But I also want to acknowledge, you know, we're not just sitting here blindly praising them. We want to acknowledge that this doesn't mean everything has turned around. It means the Canadians still have work to do, but the promise is still there. 
And I really want to talk a lot about Kotkaniemi's game. I know there's so many people to praise in that game. You know, Jonathan Drouin had a great game. I know you want to talk about Dano. Uh, but, you know, Kotkaniemi really rose to the occasion when they switched up his line mates. He seems like he seemed, you know, you were talking about the murder toddler at the beginning of the season and in the playoffs <laughs> last year. He's back to being a murder toddler. He's unstoppable. That's what he looks like on the ice to me. The biggest part of this game for me is that, like you said, we don't think everything is fixed with the Canadians right now. I still have a lot of worries about Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt, but in this game, Joel Edmondson and Jeff Petrie were outstanding. Uh, Jonathan Drouin continues to have an incredible season. He is being the player that he always could be because Dominique Ducharme has put him in a situation to succeed, and even Claude Julien had done that before. But Ducharme is a coach that he is very familiar with, and that gives him a degree of uh, comfort when he's doing this right now. And Hotkin Yemi looks like a new player out there. I wrote about it at Eyes on the Prize and that he's thriving and that they gave him to Foley and they gave him Josh Anderson. They gave him two offensive-minded line mates. They, this is their, you've earned this, show us that you've earned this for more than a game. And I think he did that. Yes, Josh Anderson's goal was thanks to a hilarious misplay off the stanchion behind with the glass, but at the same time, you make your own luck. And Anderson was very good. Kotkaniemi was very good. Tyler Toffoli with Kotkaniemi. Toffoli now sits second in the NHL in goal scoring behind Austin Matthews. He has 15 goals, and he's scoring them in big opportunities. He's not just doing it against Vancouver. And now he's got Vancouver back on the horizon, a team that he's lit up this year. There is a very good chance that Tyler Toffoli could catch up to Austin Matthews by the end of next week in the goal scoring race, which is an incredible potential opportunity for him. Like, imagine that. Like, Tyler Toffoli signed for $4.25 million. And I tweeted this earlier. He has more goals than Taylor Hall has points right now. It doesn't get any crazier than that, I think, if you are a Canadians fan right now. Like, like, think about that. You sign this guy, your second choice, so to speak, and now he's out, do, he's out doing, you know, the biggest free agent that was on the market. Like, that's insane to me, and it's huge for the Canadians. It is, and we are going to talk a little bit more about uh, Tyler Toffoli in the series coming up because I can already see, or I started seeing last week, uh, Can- Canucks fans worrying about the Tyler Toffoli effect this upcoming week. We're going to talk about Dano, and then we're going to talk about a little bit more about that game, plus the Taxi Squad news. That's coming up in just one moment. We're covering everything you need to know about the Canadians, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Also subscribe to us because this week we have a special treat. We borrowed one of the athletics great analytical minds in Jesse Marshall, who normally covers the Pittsburgh Penguins, but does a lot of work with the power play and the penalty kill, and we grilled him. We didn't grill him. We asked him nicely, and he basically gave us a clinic. Like, it was like a seminar. I felt like I took a class, but I was really engaged 
learned a lot about systems, the power play, the penalty kill, what the Canadians need to do to fix that. That's coming up. We have split it up into a few segments, so you'll be able to enjoy it on our Tuesday episode, Wednesday episode, and Thursday episode. And we're so excited about that, so don't forget to tune in. But we are still talking about the Saturday game against Winnipeg and all the wonderful things. And while Philippe Deneau did not score a goal in that game, I think he and Paul Byron breathed a huge sigh of relief throughout that game. Philippe Deneau was fantastic in Saturday's game without even scoring a goal. His two passes to Brendan Gallagher uh, gave Nathan Beaulieu a front row seat. Like, poor Nathan, like could not have had a worse game in Montreal if he tried. And believe me, he tried a lot under Michel Therrien. Deneau was fantastic. He looks like a new person. They Arpen Basu noted that they were third in line rushes and maybe taking some of that pressure off their shoulders a little bit and kind of giving them a little bit of an easier, I guess, matchup potentially helped them a lot, but they did what they needed to. Brendan Gallagher looks fantastic. Thomas Tatar is very good and still somehow very underrated with his point totals. He got scratched by Claude Julien and has come back and played very, very well. And a lot of people, I it feels like they don't notice the things that he does. But Deneau is finally kind of looking like himself, goals or not. He has opportunities that he could have shot some of those pucks and no one would have blamed him. It would have made sense. But he unselfishly passed it off to his teammate and looked great. Paul Byron's goal to me was hysterical because much like the first one that went in on Connor Hellebuck, which is a bad bounce, uh, Lauren Brassois came into the game and kicked a rebound right to Paul Byron and Byron just kind of, you know, put it through the five hole without really trying too much. He didn't even celebrate because he's like, I didn't really do anything like that. You kind of gave this to me and he looks good. I mean, he's looked a lot better since he came back from being waived and put on the taxi squad. But getting a goal is always an important thing. Unfortunately, Paul Byron does not play the minutes that allow him to get 20 goals a season again, like a few years ago. But to see him playing well, it's a huge benefit to the Canadians. It means he's at least earning more of that contract than he would sitting on the taxi squad or in the bleachers. Agreed. And and I think that's another thing that you kind of have to think about is, you know, when a new coach comes in, inherits a team that was partially or fully, if, if you think about it, engineered for the previous coach, you, you kind of have to do whatever you can with that squad to, to bring out their best. And I think the trial and error seems to be working out for me. It's not like Dominique Ducharme is not sticking with things that don't work, with the exception of the uh, Weber-Sharat pairing. But I have faith that he's trying to do things uh, like in a sort of like an itemized list kind of way, and he'll get to the defense very soon, or at least I hope. But even they, you know, were not so bad as to kill our souls on Saturday night. But the Canadians have a whole new challenge coming up in that they're going back out west, which they normally don't love that isn't very kind to them. But this season has been really kind to them. Uh, and they're going to be facing a surging Vancouver Canucks team first. Uh, when I say surging, it means they beat... They beat the Leafs. I didn't watch those games. I don't know how to explain them, but part of it was asset management, and they have changed up who's on the taxi squad for this upcoming trip. Isn't that right, Scott? Yes. The Montreal Canadiens have added Laval Rocket captain Xavier Ouellette and Laurent Dauphin to the taxi squad to give them some extra bodies and fill it out. 
So that removes guys like Cam Hillis and Hayden Verbeek, who are kind of being shuffled up as filler to meet the requirements without any risk of anything. So what that means is it opens up spaces in Laval. The Rocket actually agreed to uh, take on a Vancouver Canuck prospect, Guillaume Brisebois, who will be coming to meet the Rocket. I believe his first game will be the 13th. He has to complete a... Uh, small quarantine beforehand is, I believe, what's going on. And then he will join the team. And if Willette is going to be gone, adding someone like Brisebois, who has been very good at the AHL level, is a huge plus for the team. And for Dauphin, they have so many forwards to rotate through the lineup, especially with Alex Belzeal back now, that this is a, a big nod because Dauphin got traded to Montreal for Michael McCarron midseason last year. And I believe he was in line to be called up when the season was eventually paused and canceled last year when the Rocket were on their big push. This is kind of a nice reward for him. He had definitely earned uh, this opportunity. And I said this to some people in eyes on the prize in that they're playing in Vancouver. If you want to rest Corey Perry or Paul Byron for a night to have them fresh for games against Calgary where they can be more effective – I don't mind seeing someone like Laurent Dauphin play and see where they're at in the lineup. Willette is very much a, hey, you're the vet, you're the captain. We're going to let you collect a little bit more of your NHL salary on the taxi squad, get to travel with the team and everything like that. I don't expect Willette to draw in the lineup over Victor Mete or anyone else, barring anything catastrophic happening. Uh, but all in all, it's a nice nod to two veterans who helped lead the Rocket this year and last year and now have an opportunity to, you know, kind of travel with the team and get rewarded for that. I want to point out two things. One, I thought you said if they were to arrest Corey Perry instead of to rest Corey Perry. Uh, that's one. So, you know, for all all of our listeners that are suspecting that I'm starting to become fond of him, uh, I think your fears can be sort of allayed with that. The other thing is that, uh, you know, you alluded to having bodies on the taxi squad without any risk. Previously, they were sort of like in theory only. But when you're taking a trip out west, obviously, you have to literally take the bodies with you. Uh, it can't just be on paper. So this is why, you know, these guys have been called up because in case they, you know, they literally do need people, uh, they will have them physically there with them. Um and so those are the two uh, two big things that I wanted to note. But we are going to preview that Vancouver game and Vancouver series, even though I suspect that it will kill one or both of us. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, are you ready for Built Bar Madness? We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all their bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is peanut butter brownie versus raspberry and apple almond crisp versus churro puff. So my thoughts on this are that churro puff, I absolutely want whatever that is. <laughs> we still haven't tried that. We've tried their other bars, and we can vouch for the fact that they are extremely tasty. I think in terms of Apple Almond Crisp versus Churro Puff, I feel like Churro Puff is going to win hands down. And then Peanut Butter Brownie versus Raspberry Sam, I'm kind of in the minority where I prefer the fruity bars to the peanut butter, but I feel like a lot of people just really like peanut butter. I think peanut butter is going to win out on that one. But you can go to BuiltBar.com at Built underscore Bar on Twitter to get updated on the matchup. 
and you can order the bars and find out for yourself. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That is LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are still in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine you can find on Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is locked on to get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long, dynasty, and DFS leagues, breaking down all the stats and information to keep you ahead of the competition. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy podcast wherever you get podcasts. All right, Scott, I am very apprehensive about this Vancouver series because I'm worried that the Canadians will get too cocky based on their record against Vancouver. And the Canucks just beat the Leafs two game, in two games. So I don't know what to expect. I'm really hoping that it's going to be another Tyler Toffoli show. What do you think? I think the Canadians have kind of learned from their games against Ottawa that you can't take anyone lightly. And yes, uh, Vancouver's been playing better of late, but at the same time, there was almost literally nowhere to go but up from where they were at. And just the way their team is currently running, Jim Benning had a press conference this week that was so roundly mocked, not only by the Canucks fan base, but by fans around the league that you can tell this is a franchise that has no direction and there are a couple of bad losses from just nuking everything. They didn't have Elias Patterson against the Leafs and still won. Some of that is Toronto regressing a little bit and Vancouver getting lucky. I, I look at this series in that we saw what happens when Montreal doesn't take Vancouver seriously. They have a game where they lose 6-5 in overtime or the shootout or whatever. If Montreal can kind of play the game they did on Saturday, where they started a little slow, which is not ideal, but keep their momentum rolling. The Canucks aren't nearly as deep as the Jets are, and their goaltending is not as good. Thatcher Demko's been better, sure. Braden is still Braden Holpe, but they don't have the depth. They don't have the defensive workhorses to keep up with the Canadians' attack right now, and that's not just Tyler Toffoli. That's the Deno line. Like, can you imagine, like, they try and focus on Tyler Toffoli and then coming over the boards next is Deno, Gallagher, and Tatar? Like, you, you don't handle that with ease. And I think also a kind of rejuvenated Carey Price, who's been very good his last two starts, gives the Canadians some confidence. He's been quietly calm and collected. And if the defenders aren't so much worrying about what's happening behind them, the, they're going to spring more into action. We're going to see a lot from Jeff Petrie and Romanov who have that freewheeling kind of style. They can pick apart this Vancouver team. They just need to stay focused and stay out of the box. Literally stay out of the penalty box and you will beat the Vancouver Canucks. It's 
relatively that simple is stay out of the box. Don't give their, you know, few pieces of talent the opportunity to have an advantage over you and go from there. I fully believe they can do that right now under Dominique Ducharme. Whether the officials let them do that is another story. But I think if they can keep their focus in this series on stay at five on five, you know, play with our pace and just roll your depth on them like they did earlier in the year, this shouldn't be a contest. Also, don't get elbowed in the head by Tyler Myers, because apparently if you do, it's your fault. Yeah, well, let's be honest. I mean, no, I I can't say any of the words that come to my mind now that I'm thinking about that again. This is a family show after all, so like... I, I really hope we're past that. I'd really like to leave Western Canada without anyone getting hit in the face again, like the last couple of trips out there. Just please no one get hurt. I know I say that a lot, but please don't get hurt. I think don't get hurt is a good formula for that Vancouver game. I also just really want to quickly uh note uh Tom Wilson finally got a punishment for something that he did after – 500 tries, he's finally managed to get himself a suspension, uh, and it was a seven-game suspension, and honestly, I don't know what to make of that, because for me, that should have happened earlier, but also, what does it take for the Department of Player Safety to actually suspend somebody? Do you have to be grievously injured? Is that what is that what it is? Because it looks like that's the criteria here. I'm actually one. There are two things that drive me nuts about this is there was no penalty assessed on the play, which is nonsense. And seven games somehow feels not enough for Tom Wilson, but he doesn't fall under the repeat offender category based on the CBA. It's been 18 months since his last suspension. And the thing about it is if he had fallen under that, his uh, previous suspension was... 20 games I think it was reduced down to uh if he were in that repeat category Peros would have had no uh would have had no choice but to given him at least 20 plus games again I I don't know how to you know I don't know at what point someone's going to take things into their own hands someone's eventually going to just body bag Tom Wilson and the NHL is going to be well who could have seen this coming besides anyone with a functioning brain uh, I, I, I'm sick of the narratives that, oh, he's a changed player. He's very clearly not. I, I don't know how many times we have to have this conversation and there doesn't need to be discussions about, oh, well, this dirty player did this. We're, we're focusing on this one thing right now. We can have that point that X player is also a dirty player, but right now Tom Wilson is an on ice predator in every sense of the word. And at some point it, it has to stop the, Seven games is a, a it's a good starting ground considering his non repeat offender status right now in the NHL, but it, it's not going to deter him. If twenty games didn't deter him from doing stupid things, wh- how are they? How is this going to stop him from doing anything? And that's exactly it. It's a start is all we can say about that. And sorry to go off on that tangent. So really quickly, I want to just break down the things that we're looking for in the next few games. One. We want to see that Weber-Sherratt pairing broken up or something be done with them in order for them to stop hemorrhaging uh, scoring chances for the other team and also goals for the other team. 
The other thing is what we're looking for is hopefully uh, minor adjustments in Carey Price's play. We know that Sean Burke is, uh, I guess, video coaching him, working remotely. He's working from home, but meeting with him on 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 video chats and stuff. And he's got Marco Marciano with him at the moment. Uh, I want to say the Laval Rocket pulled somebody from. They hired somebody on an interim basis, but only for these two weeks while Marco Marciano was out. Yes, they and everyone who follows the team is going to be shocked that he uh, was a goaltending coach for Joel Bouchard at Blainville Boisbriand for the Armada. Uh, they pulled him in right now just to kind of have some guidance for the goaltenders there because the Rocket are also about to head on a road trip of their own. And Marciano, I assume, will meet them once Burke clears his quarantine procedures. And uh, Valencourt, who I believe they brought in, is his last name. I'm sorry, off the top of my head. Uh, he might be someone that they might look at bringing in in the future. Because they mentioned that Sean Burke is the director of goaltending. I imagine there might be some restructuring. They're going to see what this guy can do. And they might bring him in to help out at a lower level. But... It's good that right now the Rocket at least have kind of filled one of their vacancies. I still don't know who's coaching the defense on that, or who took over Alex Burrow's spot right now. Uh, it seems like both Joel Bouchard and Daniel Jacob are pulling extra duty behind the bench right now, though. Uh, Francis Bouillon was just there temporarily, from what I understand. And so it's it remains to be seen what goes on in Laval, but also in Montreal as well. I really want to see something done about that defense. It's something that is really high on our minds. Uh, Also, the penalty kill, we are noticing some improvements on the power play, obviously. And to get a little bit more in-depth with that, we brought on Jesse Marshall. We've already recorded a lovely conversation with him, which we will be breaking up into portions and playing for you as part of our next three episodes. So please tune in for that. In the meantime, we'll also have a recap of the Vancouver game. So if you guys don't stay awake throughout that game, don't worry, we will. And we'll have your recap for you tomorrow. And uh, and also for the rest of the week, we'll be talking about systems. We'll be talking about penalty kill, power play, goaltending, all kinds of fun stuff. So don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. If you'd like to follow Scott, You'll find him at Scott Matlaw on Twitter. If you'd like to follow me, I am at the Active Stick on Twitter. You can email us at lockdowncanadians at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.